Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Asia-Pacific markets are following the U.S. into the red this morning. Seoul is down nearly 1.5%. Tokyo is off 1.3%. Sydney is off more than 1% as well. Asian tech counters are coming under particular pressure as last night's losses dropped the Nasdaq into negative territory for the year. Joining me now for a closer look at all the market action is Stephen Innes. He's the Chief Global Market Strategist over at AXI. Good morning, Stephen. Good morning, Michelle. How are you today? Doing really well. Thanks for joining us. Market attention overnight was focused clearly on the U.S. Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell's comments. Speaking at a virtual Wall Street Journal summit, Powell gave no sign of a change in the Fed's easy money policies. He indicated it will take a while for the U.S. economy to get back to full employment and that there may be some inflation in the meantime. Bond yields rose further and stocks tanked during Powell's speech. We'll get to market reaction in a moment, but first, Stephen, tell us, what are your main takeaways from Powell's remarks? I, I think that he's right on. I, you know, and I just think the market self-correcting mechanism has to get going here. You know, we're in the face of inflation and uh, stronger economic growth, and that's just, you know, naturally leads to higher yields, and I don't think the Fed wants to back away from that. Um, you know, I think to a larger degree, the markets were looking for a little bit more hand-holding, but one of the things that struck me um, sort of bluntly was the Fed, uh, when, when he was answering a question uh, around uh, when rate hikes would happen, he basically indicated that once we near maximum employment, inflation heads towards 2% or just above. Well, that's a commitment to a level where the Fed's perhaps might start thinking about liftoff. Now, I think that's what the markets are reacting to. I think he's being a little bit more definitive here on when the liftoff. That's the first time I've really heard a tighter uh, narrative uh, on rate hike messaging. And the market has been pricing in rate hikes, so I think uh, this sort of validates the the way the markets were going. And, um, you know, that seems to be the general takeaway here. He doesn't seem opposed to rising yields in the back end, and uh, the markets don't like that. At least the high-tech flyers don't like that. Yeah, the S&P 500 was in positive territory early yesterday, but it reversed course during Powell's interview. It finished down 1.3%. That is its third consecutive decline. Tech stocks, small caps, they did even worse. So, Stephen, why do you think markets seem to be ignoring Powell? Well, it's 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 the status quo in his messaging. Again, they, they think that the markets, that the, the Fed doesn't have any more dovish ammunition as far as verbal rhetoric rather than action, and they don't think the, the, the Fed is going to make, do any more action. Therefore, they still believe the next move from the Fed is higher, and, and this is going, could get validated by the summertime when inflation picks up. Mm-hmm. Whether inflation becomes a story in 2021 or 2022, we are going to get some inflation. The key here is whether it's transitory or not. So in other words, is it just going to be a short burst of inflation, or if it's going to be enduring? If it's enduring, it's going to definitely cause uh, some ruffles uh, in repricing higher um, Fed, Fed hike expectations, um, and but notwithstanding, the market's doing that right now. You know, they're sort of uh, not pricing inside of uh, 2022 yet, but they're certainly pricing a, a rate hike for 2023. If that narrative tightens up a little bit tighter into 2022, then I think we could have a more convincing uh, sell-off in, in, in heavily owned tech sectors, especially those tech sectors that uh, that that. that, that are key on future valuations and are really dependent on lower yields that discount those future valuations. 
The yield on the 10-year Treasury note jumped 8 basis points to 1.55% overnight. Food prices, according to a UN report, are at their highest level in seven years. Other commodities have also been on a roll. Stephen, do you think markets could end up forcing the Fed's hand? Will it have to focus on inflation much sooner than it would like? I think so. Uh, And this is sort of the reality check um, that's happening right now. But again, um, the feds have been pretty clear here um, that they do believe it's transitory. The markets are sort of not so sure. uh, And this is why we're seeing this repricing. Markets and traders, uh, speculators tend to have uh, a basis to hedge to the worst case scenarios. What we're seeing right now is more of an aggressive repricing on worst case scenarios. Interestingly enough, if we look at the long end of the curve, it hasn't really moved that much. Um, So that suggests to me that the actual terminal rates where the feds are eventually going to get haven't moved but really what we're seeing here is just a lot of price action getting brought forward uh, to when uh when when liftoff actually happens and and the pace of liftoff after it happens i think it's the pace of liftoff after it happens that's more worrying uh to investors like only a month ago we weren't even pricing a uh, possibility of a fed hike now we're you know now we're factoring in three three uh, rate hikes in 2023 that is a big move uh in the context of a market that has been driven primarily by liquidity um since initial recovery back in March. Most Asian markets have been selling off in line with the United States, but Singapore is an exception. It rose half a percent yesterday to 30.14. It is up 6% since the beginning of the year. So Stephen, why do you think Singapore stocks seem to be bucking the trend? They got up the high constituents in the financial areas. Um, so the Singapore banks are moving higher because of the higher yields. And also servicing sectors um, are going to be reopening. I think uh, anything associated with servicing sectors are going to continue to doing well. You know, we have to look for, you know, sort of golden nuggets within the stock malaise. I mean, forget the index levels. Those are getting manip- those are getting driven, downtrodden by heavily owned cons- constituents like big tech and and uh, and uh, stay-at-home names that uh, retail traders have really bought and they're they're sort of cashing in their profits if they're on profit or cutting losses if they're if they've just recently bought but singapore uh reliable um financial base um is really doing well in this kind of market i think uh as uh, as uh, real yields or as excuse me as uh interest rates go higher mm-hmm. this is very favorable for the banking community If we turn to currency markets now, starting with the Singapore dollar, Bloomberg is running a headline this morning, Singapore's dollar's fortunes darken. Stephen, do you agree with that assessment? Well, you know, it's pretty much because of you know, the natural wrecking ball effect of the stronger U.S. dollar has on emerging market currency. I, I don't really consider Singapore an emerging market, but it just happens, so happens to get classified into that group on a historical basis. Um, so if we look at EM currencies as a whole, uh, they're, they, they react in quite negatively to um, uh, the, the the rise in U.S. yields. This tends to act like a wrecking ball um, because it just makes costs uh, that much higher in foreign currency perspective, especially to pay back U.S. debt. This is one of the biggest issues that uh, that weighs on uh, emerging markets concerns but i think what's happening here is that you know it's just basically a repricing of the fed when the feds get repriced well ahead of other central banks you're going to feel this negative knock-on effect i don't think there's anything economically untowards within Mm -hmm. uh, what the currency markets are signaling i think it's just a pure uh, play on uh, rate hike signals that are coming off of the fed reserve board at this point so over the near to midterm where do you expect the sing dollar to trade vis-a-vis the greenback well, you know, it's like I'm a little bit torn here because I think the, you know, right now we're in a situation where the market continues to feel that um, 
that the U.S. dollar will weaken on this inflation impulse and dueling deficits. I'm sort of I've been against that narrative. I think the the market continues to underestimate the power of the U.S. consumer and the fact that um, the U.S. is one of the biggest service is actually the biggest service sector in the world. And that once they come out of lockdown, that service sector is going to fly. However, I still think it's going to benefit um, a lot of. Uh, currencies that are commodity linked it just doesn't benefit the low yielders and that's the problem right now so i could consider 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 any low yielder currency where perhaps the singapore dollar falls into that category may suffer as a result the u.s dollar is also making gains against the yen it touched 108 for the first time since july do you expect the greenback to continue to strengthen and if so perhaps why well, you know, traders have been on that trade um, since the um, since the, the uh, January runoff election runoff in the mm-hmm. states, where they thought that higher yields would dominate the play, and they're getting rewarded for that trade. I think 108 was a convincing target right now. Could it stretch to 110? Theoretically, it could, but I, again, um, a little bit hold back here because we want to really see how the broader dollar settles in, and if it does start attracting become more magnetically attracted to higher yields. You know, the, the, the dollar's mood is so fickle these days. It changes like the wind um, goes back and forth. So we have to re- be very careful. You know, we've hit a target of 108. I think we're going to see some profit taking up here before we make any leaps and bounds ahead uh, much higher. Stephen Inn is joining us live. Let's get your take on two other commodities, oil and gold. Let's start with oil. OPEC Plus met overnight and they largely decided to keep production cutbacks in place. Were you surprised by this move? Well, yeah, I was, um, quite frankly, and I think most of the market was too. We expected, uh, I was looking for about, you know, a modest return of some production uh, because really a lot of people in the market were hoping that they would come back because nobody wants to be paying high oil prices in the recovery. Uh, of course, there are ulterior motives when it comes to OPEC, and that's pushing prices higher to make more petrodollars, uh, more dollars per, 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 per petro barrel. Um, on the main, oil trading a little lower uh, today. Um, that's just basically profiting your reaction function with stronger dollar. But my primarily concern is the rebalancing of the market and the outlook of these prices in coming months um, is all about issues around OPEC unity. Um, you know, we've, we're expected crude demand to pick up close to about 5 million barrels uh, higher uh, in the second half of this year, but there's still 8 million uh, barrels stuck in the ground right now to spare capacity. So how does that equate? Well, that tells me that once prices go up, there's going to be disunity in OPEC, and they'll want to bring more barrels back. So I'm not one of these folks that are joining the oil super cycle of 80 or $85. I think we're getting close to pay dirt right now. Mm-hmm. I think uh, OPEC will be pretty happy with a $65, $70 level on Brent. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I think they're going to continue bringing back more barrels to the market, and I think that'll start next month. Brent crude currently trading above 67 US dollars a barrel. West Texas is trading at around 64. Now, gold, meanwhile, has slumped to a nine month low. It is trading below 1700 US dollars an ounce. Stephen, what is your take on the precious metal at these levels? Buy, sell, or hold? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to give up on, a, on gold because it's just a, an intricate part of, um, of, of, of any makeup on any asset. Everybody should be holding gold. The only problem is here a lot of people have bought at a lot higher levels, and that's contributing to the downside here. I think it still remains an intricate part of a, a portfolio diversification policy for, for going forward, but it's not a good tradable instrument right now. So the speculative fervor has come out of the market because prices are falling, and I do expect prices to continue to fall uh, after we've got 
broken some significant levels here. If they don't fault, they're not going to rise much more. My my quarter rent target was seventeen fifty in oil, and I'm, I, I was sorry seventeen one thousand seven fifty on gold, mm-hmm. and I'm sticking to that target. So I think we're going to see a little bit of recovery, but I don't think gold is going to come back anywhere near its halcyon days of uh, twenty twenty. Great speaking to you as always, Stephen. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Michelle. He's Stephen Innes, Chief Global Market Strategist at AXI. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.